The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time, she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation, and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So, Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is is really fascinating because we're talking about a novel, but it's about finding tranquility. And when you find tranquility in your life, you're going to be less involved in conflict because all conflict really starts from within. If we're all tranquil and serene and peaceful from within, we can withstand the chaos around us and the craziness and the crazy actions by people around us. So I thought this novel would be really fun to talk about. And we happen to have this wonderful woman who we met Lloyd, um, a few years ago, she happens to be married to Robert Rebin, who has been on our show Privacy Piracy because he is a security and technology expert. And then we found out that our wonderful Janet Rebin, his wife, happens to be a, a fabulous writer. And she has this new novel called Finding Tranquility Base by Janet Rebin. And there's a quote here by Kirkus Review that says, a well-crafted novel that engagingly, engagingly looks at what it takes to find happiness in a world that's falling apart. And it's, it's so true that when we look at the news and we see what's going on with NSA or we see what's going on in Iran, we see what's going on in the Middle East, Egypt, we just wonder about how the world is falling apart, especially when we see some of the Nash, the, um, natural disasters that have happened, which happened in this book as well. So let me just tell you a little bit about beautiful Janet. She is, uh, she was born and raised in West Texas in an oil and military town. And she volunteered one summer at the local Veterans Administration Hospital when she was 16. Her family moved to Los Angeles where she studied creative writing at UCLA and Moore Park College. And she currently resides in Agoura Hills. And this book is just wonderful. I'm looking at the cover. It's, it's fascinating. We'll talk about that in a minute. So we're so thrilled that you're joining us, Janet. Thank you for having me. It's fun to be here. Well, it's fun to talk about novels. You know, I, I write a lot of books that are, that are nonfiction. And I've always really wanted to write a novel, but I don't think that I'm that creative. So... <laughs> But um, but I love it. I love to read novels, so I'm I'm thrilled that you're coming on to talk about it. People might be thinking, well, we're talking about conflict healing. Well, there's a lot of inner conflict going on in this book, and a lot of outer conflict too. So, 
Let's just talk about why is it that you wrote this book? Well, it's interesting because um, I find that being creative and artistic is the easiest way for me to express what's going on inside. So we always think of novels as being fiction, but fiction is always based on reality. And um, often the reality of the the author, if not um, the actual reality, what whatever the author is grappling with, whatever the author is interested in. And um, I think I've noticed that a lot of first-time authors write um, coming-of-age novels, and uh, that would certainly be true here. And I've wondered why that is, and I think it's because we as authors, as writers, um, have something that we struggle with more than anything else, or something that we want to know the answer to more than anything else. And once we get that out of the way, we're free to explore all other kinds of issues and write other books. But I think the very first book every author has often is um, related to that one thing that really fascinates them the most. And for me, um, after having lived a certain amount of time on this earth, I, I struggled with the question, what is it that brings peace and what is it that gives this peace to some people, and and why do some people have it more than others? Right. And um, how can we find that so that we can bring healing to ourselves and those around us and hopefully out into the bigger, wider world, because we are living in very turbulent times, and I think it, that question is on a lot of minds right now. Right, and that is really why I started my show, for the same reason. So we're both trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Make our contribution. <laughs> right, trying to make a more tranquil world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really love the cover here. This is really beautiful because yeah. it's kind of idyllic. And so for those of you who aren't looking at this or you haven't looked at the website yet to see the cover, but at the, the cover art for the novel shows the silhouette of a young woman standing on a piece of uprooted earth that's floating in the clouds, and she seems to be pondering the moon. So um, it's the first paragraph says uh, of your book says, I'm a moon child born in July. Only three days later, and I would have been a lion. Instead, I've spent my whole life under the sign of celestial body we swear by, inexorably linked to its biorhythms and cyclical magnetism, forever romanticizing things, always changing in constant, Shakespeare's Juliet would say, and getting eclipsed at every turn. So, what did you what did you mean by that? Why did you start with that? I kind of wanted to start out directly with Riley's voice because she's a very interesting character, and she's actually got a real dry sense of humor, <laughs> and she's making fun of the fact that she's. Um, She's born on um, the 20th of July, which is the same day that Apollo 11 uh, moon landing took right, place. Right. So she's a, she's a cancer. Uh, another word for cancer is a moon child. And she's lamenting the fact that she's, you know, three days later she would have been born as a Leo, <laughs> yeah. which would be a lion, which meant she'd be courageous. Instead, like the moon, she's mm-hmm. getting eclipsed at every turn. <laughs> Everything's always changing, and she's... Um, you know, she's kind of just um, talking about that. And But the, the interesting thing that we end up seeing is the moon never really goes anywhere. It only appears to, uh, to go somewhere. And so Riley 
never really goes anywhere. She stands firm, and as it turns out, she ends up having the heart of a lion, even if she doesn't have the astrological sign of a lion. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk a little bit about um, what what is Finding Tranquility Base. What, what's, you know, let's talk about it a little bit. It's a fascinating uh, story. Let's tell a little bit about that so when we talk about it, my audience gets an idea and will get excited to read it. Well, I took the, um, obviously the title came from the moon landing, and... Um, the, and that was the name of the the, the, the rocket, the, right? The lunar landing yeah, site, the, yeah. the Sea of Tranquility. They, yeah. they dubbed it Tranquility Base. And in the story, um, Riley loses her home to a tornado, right. and the um, her father, they move into a new home, and her father jokingly dubs it Tranquility Base as a kind of a dare, like nothing else can happen. But, of course, things get worse and worse before mm. they get better. And so it's, it's, it's a metaphor for Riley and how she finds uh, her own home. And it, she eventually does find peace again, both literally and figuratively. And so it's, it's essentially a metaphor for finding peace and uh, it's also set against the backdrop of the Vietnam War. So there's a metaphor there as well, uh, paralleling uh, Riley's life and what she goes through uh, with what our troops went through. And um, I think it's a, a really interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, and, you know, they say that truth is stronger than fiction or stranger than fiction, but your story begins with that tornado. And I would imagine when you were a kid uh, growing up, in Texas, you might have experienced that kind of feeling, did you, in your own life? Uh, go through a tornado? Yeah. Yeah, I've set a few tornadoes out in neighbors' cellars. We didn't have our own cellar growing up. We, um, My grandmother had one, but we mostly used it to play dollhouse in <laughs> during the day. It was a fun place to, to set up house, but... Uh, yeah, they're they're very scary. Uh, I've never actually been through what Riley went through, and as a matter of fact, when I wrote that, I was really concerned that I was that this was too much drama. People were going to believe that this could happen, and but I went through it anyway. And then it's interesting what's happened recently. The the tornadoes that have hit, and um, you know, my heart goes out to the people that have been through. Uh, the ordeal of it, but it certainly was not exaggerated. I can tell that now. Um, these things happen to people. And so my my fear that I was going overboard uh, is, you know... No, not what we've seen in the news and what we've seen on TV and the Internet, yeah. I remember I grew up in a suburb of Chicago, and I remember one time, like when I was looking and looking at your book and reading it, um, I, I actually have... We used to have a basement we because we had worries about tornadoes in the Chicago area as well. And I'll never forget one time I was uh, with a girlfriend and we were driving up to Madison, Wisconsin, where we went to school. And ahead of us, we saw this huge tornado swirling. Oh, you know, we didn't know how fast it was going. And here we are in the car. And um, yeah, it was pretty terrifying. We luckily her brother lived nearby um in northern illinois so we actually stopped there and went in their basement till the thing blew over but uh it's interesting about you know what the natural disasters have and and we are really powerless to a lot of that right i Mm -hmm. mean if if we live in earthquake country right we don't live in tornado country but 
you know, I mean, there's always this, this challenge of the chaos that, that we have no control over, right? Right, right. And we, that's why it's always been fascinating for me to try to find, okay, what do, how do we deal with this? What do we depend on? Right. And the, the only thing we really have control over in life is our, our attitude towards it, our thoughts. Um, Viktor Frankl is a famous Holocaust, Holocaust, I can't say it, Holocaust survivor. Yeah, yeah. And he had some really powerful things to say about um, how to, you know, the, the Nazis tried to take everything from him, but ultimately what he realized was they cannot tell me what to think or how right. to feel. Right. And I think that's really what it comes down to is who are we at our core? Yes. And how do we tap into that? How do we find that and so that we can really slip into that at any time? Not that we want to deny what's going on in the outside world. We have to deal with it. Obviously, right. we're here for a reason. Right. But um, our approach to everything will be differently. Uh, will be different if we've found that inner source of our being and tapped into it. Right. It's not what happens; it's our reaction, right? Exactly. And so you you wonder why when you see some people that they're so calm, you know, in the midst of a fire or whatever, you know, what the, the firemen what they have to go through, or you know, when you have to do triage. I remember when I had my training as a sheriff reserve. We had to have a disaster that we had to be able to triage and help people when they're screaming and they're hanging on to us. And it was, um, and it felt really real. So, you know, how are we in the face of chaos or how are we in the face of disaster or how are we in our own storms? Can we get into the eye of the storm and be calm and we always forget that we have choices about how we want to think, right? We can change our thoughts. Exactly, exactly. And our approach to to life changes as we as we change internally. Yes. And this story really is about how Riley pushes forward in spite of everything that's happened to her and she doesn't uh, handle it well at first. She acts out like any teenager would, but for the most part, she she holds to course, and she does have help from other people, um, a lot of help, actually, from the, the three different men in her life, um, each gift her with something different, and you'll see by the story's end what that is and how that assists her in moving forward as well. And And that really is all of our lives, right? We start out and we make mistakes and then you know as they say mistakes are only mistakes if you don't learn from them then they're lessons right (laughs) (laughs) and riley had her lessons you know some people like they say some people live and learn and some people just live if you continue to make the same mistakes you're you know or you don't learn from them it's going to be in your face again right exactly yeah and and that's what's the beauty of riley is that she is growing and evolving and able to find her center. Right. And she just essentially keeps putting one foot in front of the other. I think it's Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> and that's essentially what she what she does. And she learns along the way. But she, one of the ways that she uh, gets through it, too, is to she continues to volunteer. She's already started volunteering at the hospital. And um, just having some place to get up and go every day is 
helps her a great deal. And she continues to do that because it helps her feel normal. And then she also uh, expresses her emotions at first through art, but eventually she learns to express them directly, which is the important thing. You don't, grief and forgiveness are not overnight things. We don't just decide in our head we're going to do it and do it. It's just not that easy. I mean, we make that decision, but then our emotions, our, our body kind of comes along after the fact and goes through a process. And um, the process of forgiveness, depending on what you've been through, can be a very long process, and we shouldn't rush it. And we should have respect for ourselves, respect for our own souls. Um, And we're not, it's not something that that can happen overnight for a lot of people. And and it's about going within and really kind of questioning ourselves, isn't it? I know... um, Whenever, obviously, as long as we're on this planet, we're still going to learn, right? We still have to grow. I guess when I'm, you know, when I don't have to be here anymore and maybe I turn into an angel, then I don't have to keep dealing with stuff. (laughs) But, uh, But it's true. I mean, everyone listening to this goes through challenges, you know. I mean, we all go through crises in our lives one way or another. You just can't get out of here alive nobody gets out of this life unscathed (laughs) that's true and that's what's the beauty of of your novel is that you know she's really representing what we all go through from one you know one way or another whatever our challenges are whatever our chaos whatever our our grieving is and that's one thing that helps us get through it too is i'm constantly having to remind myself when i go through something you are not the only one who's ever been through something like this. Yes. And that's not to, to, uh, to have less compassion for yourself, because I think that's a big part of healing is to have a lot of compassion for yourself. Um, treat yourself the same way you would treat someone you love very dearly when you're going through hard times. But also remember that you are not alone on this planet, and everybody goes through pain and you can take some comfort in that knowledge that 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 other people are hurting too, and that's why Riley finds a lot of comfort by reaching out and helping other people that are also in pain, and then she unwittingly, unknowingly heals herself by doing so. Right, and I think that's really important. Um, you know, there are so many places that we can all volunteer and give our heart. And I know in, that Riley worked in the hospital with the Vietnam re- uh, veterans. And that actually, while she was helping others, she really helped herself. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of times that people, um, especially young people, as they're growing up, they don't know necessarily that things are going to get better. And they get very um, reclusive. And discouraged. And discouraged mm-hmm. and don't do anything and then if if somehow they can reach out and help someone else, all of a sudden they realize, oh, my gosh, you know, other people have pain. I have pain. They're going through it. Maybe their pain is worse. Maybe their pain is physical pain as well as emotional pain. Mm-hmm. And I think when you were talking about having compassion, you learn compassion for yourself and for others. And, you know, there are some people that will come to me as an attorney and they're um, maybe they were victims of identity theft and some other things. And they're so wrapped up in themselves. And I understand they have to pull themselves up and, and you know, put on their life mask first before they can help someone else. Right. 
But I think they um, get to the point where they believe that no one else has gone through what they've gone through. Right. right. No one else knows their pain. Right. And once they understand that other people have, it helps them work through it. It's, it I feel for people who are all wrapped up in themselves because I've been there. And you can't make fun of them um, and no. put them down for it because that's part of the process. Right. But what they need to realize is that it's they need okay to, re- to feel that way. Yes. And there is a period of time when you need to kind of feel sorry for yourself. I yeah. have to say that. You, yeah. You won't get through it. You can't go around it. You have to work through it. And so let yourself grieve. Let yourself feel bad. Um, try not to isolate if you can. That's in, what in I was going to say. you'll want to. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, that sometimes... You know, I, uh, you know, I have people in my life that, you know, young people in my life that sometimes they just become reclusive Mm -hmm. and, and that's the part that I'm worried about. Yes. Sometimes we do have to go in and feel sorry for ourselves. Or sometimes we do feel that I, one of my books is named from victim to victor Mm -hmm. and that sometimes we do feel victimized, but we don't have to stay a victim. Yeah. Don't. Just try not to stay there. But you'll know when it's time to move on. It is a process, and everybody's internal process is different. Yes. So have compassion for yourself. When you have compassion for yourself, it enables you to have compassion for others. If you push yourself to hurry up and forgive or hurry up and heal and you, you put yourself down, you will continue to project that out onto others. Yes. So you will have problems and conflicts with others. It everything starts from within. And what I've noticed too in my own life and in the lives of other people that I'm close to is in issues with forgiveness that we often get stuck with, hey, you know, he, he did it to me. I didn't do anything wrong. Right, and right. You're so hung up on, you know, I would ask for forgiveness, but I'm not the one that you know, needs to ask. He needs to ask me. Yeah, yeah. And just you need to keep moving forward because there's always some part in it that you play. And you yes. need to focus only on what you've done. Ask for forgiveness for your part in it. And that often leads the other party to ask for forgiveness from you. If it doesn't, that's cool because you only have to care about yourself anyway. You only have to take care of you and everything else will take care of itself. You're Life doesn't depend on the other party forgiving you. Your life, uh, or your life, depends on you moving forward, and you have to work through your own forgiveness issues and keep moving forward. And trust that everything else will fall into place. And instead of looking out there and expecting other people to do this, 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 and this, and I can't move forward until they do that, right? That's right. the wrong approach. You've got to look at yourself, heal yourself, forgive yourself. Ask for forgiveness for your part in something, and then go forward from there. And by doing so, you enable other parties to look at you and say, "Oh, wow, she found she found out how to heal. I'm going to follow that follow that route and see if it works for me." But you really can't you can't be concerned about what other people are doing. No. You've got you can only be concerned about your own healing and where you're going. And you know, and and, and you're absolutely right. And on top of that, the older I get, I have been trying to do this, Janet, and that is recognizing, like you said before, everything in life happens for a reason, and recognizing that 
that whatever thoughts I have or feelings I have or needs I have to grow, that I am kind of bringing that challenge into my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I say to myself, let's say I'm aggravated about something or something that my spouse does or something that someone does, then I have to stop and question to my, make the question to myself, which is, what is it that I'm doing that's bringing this into my life? And what can I do about that? And also I can ask myself, well, okay, so if this is in my life, there must be some lesson. Right. And if I look at it that way, it's like change your thinking instead of having a thinking like, oh, he's a jerk. Right. (laughs) Or what he did is bad. If I say to myself, okay, this happened what about my reaction? What What is it in me? And and I do that all the time. And, you know, it's not easy. It mm-hmm. isn't always easy to do that. Right. Because at first you might be upset your emotions rule that intellect. But if you mm-hmm. get deeper mm-hmm. and you say, okay, that's what life is about lessons. We're here in school, right? This right. is school. <laughs> so what lesson am I supposed to learn from this? And what can I do? Because I'm the only one that can change myself. I can't change another person. I can't change their perspective. I can't do anything except to maybe express myself and hope that they'll hear me and we have a mutual understanding. Exactly. But you can't always get that, can you? No, you can't. You can't wait around for the other party to change. What you can do, like you said, is express yourself uh, to them. If they won't hear you, then you just move on and continue to hold them in your thoughts and prayers. But other people are not on the same course or the same clock as you. And you can only do the best you can and focus on, on yourself. Uh, what I, I have a hard time noticing when people are um, continue to blame the other person uh, for yeah. all of their ills. Right. And they have no idea how, how they look to other people, how they... I don't know what I'm, how to articulate this, and, and I just want to, I just want to reach out and give them the big hug and say it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you just, just relax a little, have a little more compassion for yourself, and, um, and stop the, waiting for the other person to change. And you know the 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 thing that I see in my business in dealing with people, they usually people in conflict do blame a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So it's blame is the opposite of guilt. So you've got this blame, guilt, blame, mm-hmm. guilt. And then it's it's like playing ping pong, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it is it is a vicious cycle that people have to take responsibility. Okay, what part of this is me? You know, it's not 100%, but what part of this is me? Right. What it, that, that I am contributing to this exactly. and conflict or whatever. Right. And um, and I think that's that's the part that's that's very difficult. And I think that this is what um, a lot of the religious texts is, is speaks speaks to when when we're taught to be humble. It's it's a real it's a surrendering of your uh, of yourself. It's a humbling and a surrendering that you're going for here where you're not secretly going, yeah, but it's really his fault, or it's really her fault. You know, she's really the bad guy here, but I'm going to be the noble person and do the right thing and forgive. Well, that's not real forgiveness. Yeah, no. Um, you really do need a contrite heart. You need um, a heart of love. You need to um, try to just, the minute you say, I'm sorry, and really mean it, 
yeah. the walls come crumbling down. The yes. minute you say, I surrender, I want to know, God, what is my part in this? Please yes. help me heal. Whoever or whatever God is to you, um, it, you've got to have that connection with your inner source. And just say, please show me, what am I doing here? Because I, I want to see myself or who I really am. And when you ask that, you'll get it. And it'll be a little scary at first because you will see yourself through the eyes of the other party and you'll go, oh. Yeah, that's oh. it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's when you have the compassion. You, you let the compassion roll in along with it and you forgive yourself. And you ask for forgiveness from the other party wherever necessary. And you move forward. And that really helps us with conflict resolution. When absolutely. Absolutely, that's the key. Especially when you've got, if you're talking a, a divorce situation where there are precious children involved, you yes. can try to make every effort to take the high road. But don't don't take the high road, road thinking, yeah. um, I'm being the good guy here, right. because that keeps you in a, the wrong attitude. Right. Well, we are out of time. So this is really wonderful, Janet. We have just gone over Finding Tranquility Base. This is this new novel by Janet Rebin. Janet, thank you so much. We are out of time. Just give your website, and it's time for to go. Okay, it's JanetRebin.com. That's J-A-N-E-T-R-E-B-H-A-N.com. And this is just wonderful. We can't wait for your second novel. Thank you, Mariam. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday right here on KUCI at 8.30 a.m. for Prescriptions for Healing Conflict and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. Thank you.